Hey writers, welcome back to Story Magic, the podcast that will help you write a book you're damn proud of. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. And today we are joined by our very good friend and fellow book coach, Jocelyn Lindsay. Welcome. Hi, Jocelyn. Yay. Woo. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're we so are, excited. We are. This is going to be such a fun discussion. We're going to be talking about um, writer's block with perfectionism looped in there and really trying to um, get at the heart of what causes it and, and how it shows up in our writing lives. But before we dive into that, Jocelyn, would you introduce yourself for our listeners? Um, tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do, and um, how they can find you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Jocelyn Lindsay, and I'm a book coach. I've been working with writers for professionally, formally, the last five-ish years, and a few more on that, a few more years tacked onto that, not um, formally. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me over at Instagram, where I'm having a really good time making ridiculous reels right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And then um, my website, which is jocelynlindsay.com, and I have a newsletter um, that sometimes is ridiculous as well. Um, I, <laughs> I, I like to I like to approach writing from a perspective of it should be fun. Um, we're we're gods of our worlds, and we should be having fun being deities. So that's oh, that, and, that. and we should and we should knock off the bullshit and get our worlds built. So yes, <laughs> yes. I love that. Do you know? I feel like I have to say, fun is such an integral part of my vision of your brand. Like what yeah. as I consume your brand image, like that's what I see. And I'll tell you the first. So when Emily and I were doing our author accelerator training years and years ago, you were just finishing it or you had just recently finished it. And I remember I like can almost picture the image. You had like posted an image of your business card or something about like in the vein and it had your red glasses, which you're wearing right now. And like, I just remember like that was an integral part of who you were just instantly. It was like, oh, she's so fun. Oh, well, thank you. Look at her house. Yeah. Personality. Look at her so the last. Yeah, it was like <laughs> wow. She's. I remember being like, wow. She found. She found her like her author platform, her book coach platform. And she's like <laughs> nailing it. She knows who she is. I feel like that I, was I, the sentiment. You know who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I try. <laughs> I think it's really easy for writers and coaches and humans in general to get caught up in a whole lot of things that just at the end of the day don't matter. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about some of that when we talk about mindset, but I think it's really important to, to try and keep moving forward with who we are and the direction we're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? That's such a good tie into, I could keep going forever, but I was just going to say, like, we're <laughs> going to talk about perfectionism and yeah. <laughs> TLDR perfectionism, like is such a, a, a fear of like an internal lacking and I just heard from you so much right now that like we need to find that place. Like like I feel like when I see your brand, I get that that feeling of like let's know who let's be confident in who we are and we can tackle a lot of writing from that place of confidence and that carries over into our discussion about perfectionism and yeah. that fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here Jocelyn. Um 
because Jocelyn works with a lot of one-on-one clients. Yes. <laughs> what can I say? A lot of them. She's worked with a lot over the last five years or however many years you've been officially doing this. And I think one of the like one of the big questions we brought to Jocelyn is we would love to hear, um, you know, we wanted to hear her perspective on what do people usually bring to her, right? Because when people are searching for a coach, it's because they want something that they feel that they're you know, not having in their writing life, like some kind of level up or they have a block they want to break through or there's something that they're seeking, you know, help with. And, um, and so that's where we kind of got to this whole mindset thing is because you, you basically were like this, this is one of the biggest things that people bring to us. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what do you see when people come to you and they're like, help? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think, I think it takes a certain amount of courage for somebody to like, first off, find me and then send me like an email because Mm -hmm. I make it very clear on my website that while I'm fun, I'm also very much no, no nonsense. Um, like I'm, I have no problem telling writers, this is the bullshit that's slowing you down, get over it. Or, you know, you're going to have a problem writing a book. Um, so, um, that, that, adherence to my personality and my no nonsense. I think, I think writers that come to me are at a point where they know they have been writing the same book for 20 years. They have been, they have been going through the churn of how do I get a book finished? How do I get a book published? They're, they're, they're stuck somewhere and we've talked about this before and and they look at me as like the dynamite that's going to help break whatever mm-hmm. barriers they're having um and they're not wrong because <laughs> i mean i do it lovingly but it's like okay this is where you're stuck this is where this is where you're getting caught up and you hired me to be a book coach and if you're not writing a book I can't help you. (laughs) So it's, um, I, I, I really think that most of my clients, a lot of them come in where they haven't gotten a first book written. They can't get to the end of a first book. Um, others will come in where they just can't, they can't get out of the editing process where they have like re-edited and re-edited and rewritten this poor book, like 27, you know, it's like taking a, a shirt or something that's supposed to be dry cleaned and it goes through the wash and the dryer 47 times. And by the time it comes out the other side, you don't even know what you're looking at. So I think a lot of my clients just come in at a point of, I don't know what to do. And I need extreme help to figure out how do I move forward. Right. Yeah, I think we have a similar experience where it, whether whether they know it or not, or like whether they're aware of what block they're experiencing and why, they still feel like it show up as uh, I can't finish or I don't know what to do or I have I feel paralyzed. I think a lot of times it it manifests in paralysis or like spinning your wheels where mm. you're just yeah. I I love metaphors and I love the one you just <laughs> about the threadbare shirt. <laughs> throw my own in there. You're like a car stuck in the mud in Alabama where the back wheel spins and the other one does nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Ex- yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and I think I, I what what I do find is clients come back to me once we've gotten through that book, ready to start a new book. 
Um, and, and I get clients that come back in different places because they've broken through that barrier and they're like, oh, I can do this. I want to do it again and not wait till I'm stuck in the Alabama mud to make it happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I feel like what we're dancing around is the, the ideas of both perfectionism and procrastination, which are just two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in, in my, like from my experience, a majority, if not all of the time, those two things are driven by a kind, like some kind of fear that people have about their writing. So do you, do you find that with your clients and like, are there different kinds of fears? Like, I feel like that would be an interesting thing to break down is like, you know, what are we bringing to the page when we're stopping ourselves with these kinds of, you know, procrastination, perfectionism, um, tendencies? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think fear, I mean, there's so many different like wardrobes for fear. It can like, it can show up in so many things. And I think, I think there's like, you're talking about like the ladder of, um, perfection writer's block this block to like perfectionism to fear and and that awareness as you move up the ladder and perfectionism a lot of a lot of what i see in perfectionism is the belief that i'm not good enough mm-hmm. or it's just not good enough um yeah. and the i'm not good enough is doubt and then the other one i see sometimes with perfectionism not as often as I'm not, or it's not good enough is ego. I'm a special Mm -hmm. snowflake. Mm -hmm. And, and that also comes from, I think a place of fear. And so it's, you know, writers, we are brilliant at making ourselves and each other feel really crappy about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it just exacerbates whatever we have brewing around in our brains, what we bring to the writing. Um, and I don't think we do, we don't do that intentionally. Um, but we're constant, if we're, if we're caught in a cycle of I'm not good enough and somebody says, oh, this description is too short, then it's like, oh no, I'm not good enough. And they've made me feel bad. Yeah. They've just proven it. (laughs) They've, they've just totally proven why I'm not good enough. Um, and I think, I think that this, this, this writer mind that we have shows up, um, disguised as, um, a craft issue Mm -hmm. that, that we, we want to, we want to, we want to bring everything back to craft because craft is simple. Yeah. I mean, it's craft is Craft has a fair boundary. Nothing yeah. to do with you. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a skill set, right? It's like you know, riding yeah. our bike or whatever. And mind, oh, I mean, there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sometimes I think like I'm like a uh, a book therapist um, <laughs> because really so much of it, and and it comes in waves. But that that pr- idea of how do how do writers get out of their own way? Mm. And sometimes they can't um, because yeah. of what they're bringing, what they're bringing, what fears they're bringing to the page. Right. Yeah. I like that you've described this as uh, like a journey to self-awareness. Um, and I think every client that comes to a book coach to us, to you is somewhere on that journey whether they start being like, no, it's a craft thing to being like, oh, I'm such a perfectionist. I have no idea like how to get past it. And then maybe they circle back around to, if only I knew more craft, it would fix me. But um, 
like they they're there's different light like levels of this self-awareness. And if if a listener is listening right now being like, why well, don't I don't know exactly where it is or where I fall, how do you explore with your clients or how do you might maybe approach someone who says, No, I just need to learn more craft and it would fix all my problems to try and to circle back around to actually I think you're really struggling with this idea of not being enough, not being good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's like getting a little kid to eat vegetables. You gotta, like, <laughs> yeah. you gotta sneak the mind conversations in beneath like the delicious, you know, crunchy sugar coating of craft. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I try, um, I try and start like all of my calls with all of my clients with like just like a very simple, how did the writing feel this week? Right. Yeah. How's it going? Just, just sort of like a check-in, and it's, it's, it's a vegetable. You know, it's that disguised of the writing, and really, mm-hmm. what I want to know is the feeling. And mm-hmm. so, the writer can talk about the writing, but um, when they start talking about feelings, I can start, I can start gauging where it is that you know they're like getting stuck. Or mm-hmm. asking like, um, so how did you celebrate? Things sound like they went really well. How did you celebrate? Well, mm-hmm. I didn't. Oh, okay. So now let's talk about why it's important to celebrate. Why is it important? So I start, I try and find just these little like adjacent ways to um, come at mindset. And if I have a writer um, and I've had writers who have been very caught in um, this, this trap of perfectionism where it's like they can't move beyond a page because it's not perfect. And sometimes that, uh, quite honestly, sometimes that's beyond me because it will start delving into um, something that's coming up out of their life. It, it mm-hmm. will start becoming something that um, might be, you need to talk to somebody else. I can help you with a book, but I can't help you with these, these feelings that are coming up about your mother or your father or, you know, um, where perfectionism maybe come, came from as a child for them. But um, it's like I, I mentioned that I'm, I'm playing on um, Instagram with reels. This is sort of the, this is a, this is a tactic I use to get myself out of that, that headspace of it's got to be perfect. And, Mm -hmm. and I've tried to shift that is it's not perfection, it's progress. Mm -hmm. How do I keep moving forward? How do I keep progressing? How do I keep getting something out there? And I will play with that with, um, writers, Um, just put something on the page. I don't care what's on the page. Let's get something on the page. Um, just try and start breaking some of that up. Some writers, you know, perfectionism is like, it, it gets in there. It's like a tick. It gets in there and it will just like sit in there. And if a writer's not, I mean, I, I, I think this is true of all writing and all of the coaching we do. If a writer's not willing to at least make the attempt, it's really hard. You you can't force a writer to, I mean, none of us are going to like show up. Yeah. We're not going to show up at the writer's like doorstep with a baseball bat yeah. and say, finish your book or else. I mean, it's like they, they have to write it. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
it's it's how do you find and how do I find the little tricks and the little games and you know that that strategy to start playing and plucking at some of those uncomfortable places to try and get them to be more comfortable with yeah. with trying something different or that they wouldn't otherwise do. Yeah. I love that you say, um, you know, you can't do it for like people have to be willing. And I think that's one of the tricky things is like as a coach, if you're going to coach someone through mindset issues, they have to be to a certain extent, right? Willing to get uncomfortable a little bit because that's the only way to work through mindset blocks like perfectionism, procrastination is you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. But when you find someone who is willing to be uncomfortable, it's so fun to like work through those mindset issues with them because you just start to see these, you know, when people just put their trust, they're like, okay, I trust you. Like I'm going to do the things that you tell me to do, even though I know they're going to make me uncomfortable and I don't really believe in them yet. Like just being willing to sit in that discomfort is like such a fun place to play. I'm curious, you say like you have tips and tricks for, for helping people get out of their, um, let's just say perfectionism for now. Um, I know Rachel and I have some, some of those t- tips and tricks as well. I'm curious, like what, what do you tell people to do? Like what are some of your little sideways exercises, ways? Yeah. To, yeah. Exercises <laughs> to get them to break out. Thought activities. <laughs> Sometimes I'll, I'll ask them to rewrite just a paragraph. Just take that paragraph and rewrite it. Take an, take something that you're working on re- and rewrite it rewrite it again, rewrite it again, you know, and then rewrite it from a different character's perspective, rewrite it from a different genre. Take like, you know, if you're writing a a romance, write it from a horror perspective, play. A lot of it just comes down to Mm. just start playing with it. Um, And I think part of the fear of perfectionism is that it's going to be wrong. It's not going to be good enough. Um, and it's how, how do you get not so precious about something? How do you start, how do you start, um, breaking down that calcification that the mind is going through by making everything so precious? You can't let go of anything. Um, Mm. I, (laughs) I worked with a client in person, um, at one point and we, we worked and I had them write a page, you know, write a page from your character's perspective of, you know, what's their morning routine look like or just something. And, and we did these little exercises. And then at the end of the time, we lit it on fire and burned it. (laughs) They didn't know that was coming. They did not know that was coming. And they like totally freaked out. And then I'm like, okay, now, write something else, how to start, how do you start letting these things go? Mm-hmm. So it's not so terrifying that you're, and I think that's part of that fear is that, that holding on because it's scary. And what I find really that a lot of, a lot of my writers, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of writers, they're less afraid about it going wrong than they are about it going right. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting to see when writers start talking about, well, everything that will go wrong. Okay. Yeah. So what about if it goes right? Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about that. And that can sometimes be a much scarier place because they already know they can't write, right? I can't write. I'm not good enough. I can't do any of this. 
okay, let's spend some time and talk. Let's let's do an exercise of what does it look like if it's good? What does it look yeah. like if it's successful? That's a, our business coach has us do that. Whenever we get into the, like <laughs> all the things I could go wrong. She's like, but what about what could go right? Yeah. It's such yeah. an important reframe. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think what you've pointed out so well is perfectionism uh, is a, a, f- a fear of being unsafe. It's a fear of the, the danger, like the hurt, the rejection, the shame, all of that compiles into a, a deep sense of, um, feeling unsafe. And there's a lot of different ways where you can try to build that safety. I think there's like, as coaches, we look for those ways where we're building safety with the material, where you write the material, we write the material, we practice, you know, the skill of, of writing it so that it becomes more safe to do the action. And then I also think on the flip side, there's like the safety of one's relationship to oneself, where, you know, you, you've, you have this fear of being unsafe that is writing related where you're afraid of being rejected. But you also like that rejection is not just a rejection of your words. It's a a rejection of self. And then you have Mm -hmm. to build like the safety of it it, like that, the let's, let's learn to love ourselves, you know, that vein to, to really simplify it, but building in those areas too of, okay, perfectionism isn't, Perfectionism is also about learning how to feel enough, and that shows up in the way you write, but also in the the critic, the voices that are in your head and the narratives that you tell yourself and reframing that at the same time that you're practicing the skill and getting more comfortable trying new things and playing and having fun. All of it is, it's all pieces of the puzzle to- grow one's relationship with oneself. And I think that's really like, I mean, the 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 need for external validation turns into validating oneself and then perfectionism kind of dissipates. Does it doesn't go away. I don't think it ever like <laughs> it doesn't go away ever. <laughs> no. But it feels less like a goblin that you have to fight, like less like a monster and more like Oh, there's this thing over here, and its name is Susie. And Susie and I just hang out sometimes. <laughs> she goes back She's in her just box. a little bit like nervous. the Babadook. Have you guys seen the Babadook? That movie? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so then you know, like the whole point of spoilers for anyone who's not seen. I think this movie's like ten years old. I don't know. So it's a horror movie, but the Babadook almost like represents fear. It's a. It's mm-hmm. a. It's like a monster movie. So the Babadook like lives in the basement and is terrorizing this family. And um, it's called the Babadook. <laughs> anyway, um, it kind of represents fear because at the end of the movie, it they don't they don't get rid of it. They just chain it up and learn to live with it, and like it just lives in their basement, and it's it's like part of their life. And it was like the first time I watched it, I was like, "What? They don't like kill it? They don't like ex- you know exercise it from their home?" And then I was like, "Oh, actually, like yeah, you you don't get rid of fear. Like you just learn right. how to manage it. You learn how to." to choose yeah. action around the fear. Uh, yeah. So I, I didn't know that I would be comparing perfectionism to the Babadook <laughs> of this call. <laughs> it's really appropriate here. though. It's totally yeah, appropriate no, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, yeah, because I th- it's exactly what you say. It doesn't go away. And I like that you named it Susie. Um, Babadook is <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to call it the Babadook. <laughs> now, um, it's just that, that, that perfectionism, that fear 
it, they just change. They just change. They just, yeah. You can go from, I'm afraid of what's going that, that nobody's going to like this. So I can't write to, I'm afraid that somebody's going to realize I can't write after you've published to, it just, it just becomes the Babadook doesn't change. Susie doesn't change. They're just there. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's, and it's being, I think a lot of it is like you said, it's like, how do you become aware that they're hanging out? How, and then that it's not so terrifying. Yeah. It's with my clients. I like to do just like what Rachel was alluding to this idea of like separating it from self, because I think oftentimes it's like having two voices in your head and it's really hard to distinguish like what's true and what's not. And so um, like one of my clients calls hers dark Kermit. Like dark Kermit. <laughs> love that one. Yeah. I've seen the meme. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> dark Kermit memes. Um, and so she's, you know, she'll come to me and it's like, okay, well, this week, Dark Kermit said, right? It's like this part of me that is afraid, right? Said these things. And instead of like, instead of those just being truth, right? Because your brain said it, it mm -hmm. must be true, right? You separate it a little bit and it's like, okay, this, this other piece of me is saying these things. Is it true? Is it not true? If it's not true, where's it coming from, right? And we get to kind of have a conversation about well, this it's afraid of these things happening. Are those things reasonable? Probably not, right? And if you if a, if you treat it like a child, you know, like darker is a little is Susie's <laughs> a child, right? But like if you treat it like a child has come to you and it's like, oh, I'm afraid of the dark because there might be things in the dark, or you know, like you don't you don't shame that child, like <laughs> you know, how dare you think there are things in your closet, right? <laughs> you you sit That's with the start that, of a horror you know. movie, exactly. <laughs> you That's hold the, the father. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, the mom's all telling him he's crazy. It doesn't exist. <laughs> so you don't do that because it could be a Babadook. <laughs> but I think it's it's so powerful when you start to see that voice and you're like, okay, this is what that voice is saying and this is why it's saying it. And I can comfort it and I can love it through, the, through that. And if you, it's a little easier to do that if you think of it as like separate from yourself, right? It's just a voice yeah. that lives in your brain. Um, and like, then you get to just treat that part of yourself with kindness. Like that's what we're talking about when we're talking about managing, right? I'm doing air quotes, yeah. like managing your perfectionism or your fear is really just listening to it and then saying, okay, like I hear you, I'm going to move forward anyway, because I like what you're saying isn't true, but I'm, I'm holding you through it. Still not true. So I'm going to act anyway. And that's how we start to break out of those patterns. Um, yeah. Our metaphors today are on. on yes, they are. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and, you know, something else that I'm thinking about as we're talking is that we, we, we read so much and our writers read and we, we look at the books we love and the books that we admire and we study them and we think, oh, I want to write like this, this writer. I want to be Nora Roberts. I want to be Brandon Sanderson. I want to be, you know, whoever. And what we forget to think about is these are authors who are at the top of their career, mm -hmm. oftentimes decades into writing. Mm -hmm. And we look at, you know, the, the work, the work that just came out by our favorite author. And we're like, why can't I write like that? And then mm -hmm. we're trying to compare ourselves to, to somebody who has been doing this eight hours a day, five days a week for, you know, 20, it's yeah. their career. And so 
we're we're admiring and seeing them as perfect. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I love to do, and sometimes this doesn't always work, but find a writer that an author loves and then go back and find some of their early work. Go mm-hmm. back and find some of that rough, raw, um, you know, not so polished work if you can do it. Um, or even if it just ends up being another writer and really talking about um, this isn't what they just, this, is, this isn't the Pulitzer they won with last year, yeah. right? This, this, the, the, they came from where you are. They started somewhere. They had a starting line too. And they're just further, they're just further around the track than you are. Yeah. And that, I love that. And that doesn't just apply to career or like, you know, to, um, to a career. It also applies to like an individual book, right? Like every book starts super raw. Like that's just the nature of it. And, um, and I know that not enough authors do this, but I know that Sanderson, at least with the way of Kings, like shared his first iteration, with people. And I feel like that is just such a powerful thing. And I wish more authors would like show, you know, this is a chapter of like what my first draft looked like, because it's just the process of creating something. It means iteration. It means revision. It means starting with something that is raw and like nothing's perfect, but like raw and messy and not what you envisioned. (laughs) Like That's just how it starts. To that, to that point, my husband for Christmas two years ago, um, there's, there's a company that gets, um, early drafts of famous manuscripts and scans them and then turns no them way. into books. And he gave me a copy of the first draft that this company had scanned of Frankenstein. Oh, wow. And so you get all of her cross outs, all of her, no- it's handwritten, of course, but it shows yeah. how she like went through and moved everything. And that, that that story did just not come out as, you know, the full, the monster. That is so cool. Messy. It was very messy. Um, yeah. and, and that's really fun to look at and look at and see like, oh, okay, here even this classic, amazing story that everybody knows was an ugly first draft. Yeah. yeah. And there's also like teams of people that work on these books too. I mean, like it, yeah. it takes, it's especially with someone like Sanderson. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like it's a team of people that like helps to get these books to their final version. And when my writers are like, I should be writing like that. I'm honestly like, honestly, why? And that's the yeah. conversation that we have is why do you feel like you should be writing like that? You're, you've got me, which is amazing. Thank you so much. But <laughs> you are in your first draft and there's a team of people ahead of you that you haven't worked with yet that you will mm, that right. gets that book to that final version. So why? Why do you feel like you have to be writing like that now? Because yeah. nobody does. Nobody writes like that uh, by themselves I- alone their first time. Yeah, their first book. Yeah, I, I that that that's always hard. Is the writers who want the first book to be the published masterpiece? Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 they don't. And 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 we're talking even just about the first books for authors that are published. We're not mm-hmm. talking about the three hundred half manuscripts that are like stuck in hard drives mm-hmm. and in boxes and that never will see the light of day. I mean, writers write, and so there's always stuff. That will never get out. Yeah. yeah. I was I was thinking about that this morning when I was driving home from daycare because um, 
my first book is coming out in April. And Emily's coming out later this year. So perhaps it But my first book is coming out. And I was thinking, like, when I stopped thinking about that book as my debut book and started thinking about it as just a book, like, Mm -hmm. it was so Mm -hmm. much easier to make the decision that it was ready. Because there was so there was so much pressure and like, well, it's my first book. It could be my only book. It has to be the best book that I can do right now. And like, I am so overwhelmingly proud of this book. I think I'm going to write better books in the future. So like, I'm like, well, that, isn't that the goal? You want every yes. book to be better moving forward? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So then I was like, why do I feel like this? I think for for us as book coaches, there's a lot we carry about like, well, our books need to be the best. Books. <laughs> you know, but like at the same time, when I like worked through at, like last year, those feelings of it doesn't have to be perfect because it's just a book like debut means just first, like don't call it debut, call it anything you want to call it, just put it out there because it, none of the other like commentary, the peanut gallery, like doesn't matter. I'd rather have a book out that is, that I got out through all of the hard work that I put into it than like never put a book out because I was so afraid of it never being like my, my most perfect thing that ever could have happened because it's not I'm going to write better yeah. books in the future. <laughs> I, I've i worked with some absolutely brilliant writers who are amazing. They can't finish because they get caught in the perfectionist. Like if you could just get to the end and, mm-hmm. and yeah. get, just, just write the, finish the story and get to the end, you could like put this up on Amazon and self-publish it, do whatever you're going to do with it and then move on to the next one you could be producing a book mm-hmm. a year because they're they're they are fabulous fast drafting first book first draft writers and the, yeah. and this perfection this idea that they're so caught in their head of what's not working they have mm-hmm. ceased to see what an amazing writer they are yeah. um and and that I think is one of my biggest heart, one of my biggest heartbreaks as a coach is when yeah. a writer just can't get out of their own way and see how good they are. And mm-hmm. and most of the writers, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the writers I work with, they're good writers. Where these are not like, yeah, they're not. They're already so far along the way of being a writer. That it's just getting, it's almost like this last 20%, this last perfectionism, this last fear, the last 20% of fear is, is what keeps them from ever getting a book out. Yeah. I feel like a a lot of that has to do, there's like that finishing paralysis, right? Where as soon as you're about to finish something, then it's, then it's done. And it's, it's, you have to say it's it's done. And then, and then all of a sudden people can say, oh, well, you should have done this and you should have done that, but it's done. And so like, as soon as you say that, right, you open yourself up to that vulnerability that it's, that it's imperfect. And I think the thing that I was just thinking when you were talking about the day, your debut, Rachel, is like the thing that about perfectionism that drives me crazy is that there's this idea that there is a version of a book that is perfect that's out there that you have to, and I know I've talked about this before, but I fell into this trap. I'm working on my sequel um, for my debut that's coming out in September. And it's really, (laughs) sequels are hard. Everybody says sequels are hard, whatever. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I got stuck in that, um, 
and and I talk about this all the time. So it was funny for me when I realized that this was what was happening because I was like, you know better. Um, but it's so easy to fall into these traps, right? No matter how much mindset work you do, like it's it's constant. You're never just like fixed. Like that's yeah. not a thing. Um, but this idea that like I was like, oh, there's there's a perfect like now that I've written book one, book two, like there is an answer out there I have to find about like what what the perfect next version of it is. And I was treating it like I was searching for answers instead of coming up with things, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So I was like seeking advice from critique partners and my editor of like, should I go this route? You know, like, should like, which, which path is right. And it was like, I had to come to the realization that I'm making this shit up. Like, yeah, (laughs) I just have to choose. Like, that's it. And so I think sometimes perfectionism can just trick us into thinking that we're searching for a right answer when like mm-hmm. that's just not a thing like it doesn't it's just not real like you just have to choose a path to follow and follow your gut instinct and create something from nothing that's all that you're doing <laughs> yeah well and that's <laughs> <Easy-peasy>. <laughs> yeah exactly and that reminds me i've asked clients okay so if you're seeking perfectionism let's define it what's yeah. perfect mm-hmm. is yeah. that no grammatical errors is that and a lot of times they they can't even define it. They can't give it any tangible like mm. identity. It's just that I will know when it's perfect. Yeah. Well, nope. how <laughs> will you know when it's perfect if you don't know what perfect is? And yeah. and it just becomes this like loop of I don't know what it is, but I know I'm chasing it. And, yeah. and if you don't, if you can't see it when you're chasing it, are you going to get, yeah. And it just becomes this whole like ridiculous thing of you don't even really understand what you're chasing. You're really chasing. I don't want to be afraid. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and perfectionism is just sort of that, uh, it's so that shirt it happens it. to be wearing. Yeah. It's the shirt it happens to be wearing. And I think it's like, how do we, how do we find both the good and the negative and close the gap? How, how, because we spend so much time focusing on what's not working. How do we start focusing on what is working and, and bring those two together and close off that gap so that even though they're still going to keep existing, there's not this chasm of roiling terrible, you know, it's all terrible. Nobody's going to love it. And then over here, well, I really had fun doing that. Um, (laughs) How do we make them more, um, more equal to each other and not just, it all sucks. It's terrible. They're all going to hate me. You know, I might as well quit and like go work at Jack in the Box. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that reminds me. So I've had, I've done this exercise plenty with clients because you're, you're so right. People it's very easy to fall into the negative lens. Um, but in in the efforts to also heal like you, the relationship with self, I I have people like literally write down every single week like one good thing about themselves. Like we make a list of our strengths every week. We have to be figuring out, okay, this I might have had this problem with writing this week. But I also feel really good about this other thing. And we like write it down on this continuing list that we work through all six months of coaching. And we go back and we look and we're like, wow, look at all these things you did. Like, look at how how much you trusted yourself. Look how Mm -hmm. many risks you took. And it was fine. Look how many decisions you made. Look how many, um, for some people, not for everybody, but look how many words you wrote. Like, look how many 
exercises you did, whatever, whatever it is to start to show them that like tiny actions that take risks that turn out okay build self-confidence. And the more self-confidence to have, the more likely we are to take risks. And the more we take risks in the face of perfectionism, the more we learn how to maneuver around it. So it's like yeah. just this this constant reminder of like, I am a good person. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> I am capable. I am capable. And you're capable of doing so much yeah. more. I love what you said, Rachel, about like writing that down. Like I've started to do that myself for this second book because it's so easy to just lie to yourself and say, oh, I haven't gotten anything done. I haven't done anything this week. I haven't. Right. But if you've yeah. actually written down like all of the things that you worked on and like the problems that you had and then solved. Right. If you have a record of like I had this question and then I solved it. Right. A book is really just like thousands of tiny decisions that you're making. Yes. Um, and little changes that you're making and questions that you're finding answers to. And so if you can have like written proof of like all of those that you've already done, right? It's a lot harder when you reach the next plot hole to be like, it's impossible. I'll never be able to fix this because you have a record, a written record of like all of the things that you have tackled and conquered in the past. Um, so I love that. Um, yeah. to, to wrap us up, Jocelyn, I would love to hear just like, I know that there are people, I know that there are people listening to this call because I know some of the people who listen, um, <laughs> who struggle with perfectionism, procrastination, right? This fear when they show up to the page, even though they're, they've got that tenacious desire to, you know, figure it out and move forward anyway. What, do you have any like parting suggestions for folks on like how to get started or what you would recommend to your clients when they show up with these questions and desires to to move through these blocks? Be brave. Mm -hmm. Just be brave. It's it's a huge act of courage to write a book and to put yourself, I mean, by even wanting to do it, you are you're making yourself and your your innermost dreams, um, very vulnerable. So that in and of itself, you're already doing the work of courage. Do it. I mean, if there are people out there who want these books, there are, there are readers who are waiting for these books that are being written. And I think as writers, we, we spend so much time thinking about the writing. We forget to think about the reader. We forget to think about the people who want to read our words. And I, I find that, that sometimes recentering this to the reader wants us to be brave because they don't want it to be perfect. They want to read what's messy. They want to read a good story. They want to care about something. They want to care about your characters. They're ready to care about your characters. They're going to come to it primed to care about your characters and your worlds because they're buying your book. I mean, they already are buying into the fact that they're going to love what you're doing. So mm -hmm. it's it's be brave and courageous because there are people on the other end of the process waiting to catch you. Love that. I love that. Yes. Awesome. That was so beautiful. Great wrap up. Thank you so much, yeah. Jocelyn, for joining us. Um, this Thank is an awesome. You so much. Of course. Um, awesome conversation. One last time, could you tell people where to find you if they wanted to figure out how to work with you? 
you can find me at jocelynlindsay.com. You can find me on Instagram as Jocelyn Lindsay. Um, we're also, a friend and I also have a YouTube channel called Five Minute Indie Insights, um, where you can find me talking about um, quick hits on publish, self-publishing. Um, and then you can always just email me at jocelyn at jocelynlindsay.com uh, because I love chatting with writers about anything. I have opinions about everything that I'm happy to share. <laughs> We're going to have to have you back for more opinions. <laughs> so do we. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. Thank you. All right. If you want to build a successful, fulfilling, and sustainable writing life that works for you, you've got to get on our email list. Sign up now to get our free email course, The Magic of Character Arcs. After seven days of email magic, you'll have the power to keep your readers flipping pages all through the night. Link in the show notes. We'll see you there. Thanks, Jocelyn. Bye. Thank you.